0: Local Edge, powered by Ad Canada Media.
1: Hi there, everyone, and welcome to Local Edge, your show for better understanding and connecting with small communities in Canada. Here, we explore the value of these markets to advertisers, agencies, communities, and more. We bring you the latest news, insights, and trends from the world of local advertising and marketing. I'm Shauna Randolph, and I'm your host. In this show, we talk to community connectors, media buyers, business leaders, and more to find out what makes small communities so important to the advertising industry. So whether you're an advertiser, agency, community member, or just simply interested in the world of local advertising, join us right here on Local Edge for a closer look at the power of small communities in Canada. And it's a pleasure to welcome again Sarah Thompson. She is president of Densu Media, joining us from Toronto. Hi again, Sarah, great to see you again. Again. hi thanks for having me back thank you so i was excited to know i was going to talk to you once again last time we chatted we were uh, really focusing on the canadian media manifesto uh in hindsight since the last discussion anything more you wanted to focus on that
2: i think there's a lot to unpack on that and even talking about sort of the landscape of where canada is going as a country with 500 new immigrants entering our country when you have LGBTQ, Indigenous rights, BIPOC community all at the fore of this, DEI is also very much interchangeable with how we have local media. If you're new to Canada, you want to be able to read our local publications, feel like there's something that's tying you to that community. And if we don't have those pieces in place, they're going to be reading news from the country that they arrived from and not really feeling a connectedness to the new community that they've now joined. And the same is to be true for LGBTQ. We've lost about 30 publications in Canada over the last decade. BIPOC and Indigenous communities have done a really good job of building back community news and community newspapers in Canada. But they also need representation in our newsrooms, especially with our national newspapers, and national media, so that they also feel represented that their stories that are being told about their communities is told by Indigenous journalists. And there's a lot to be intertwined in that. But when we talk about some of these issues that we have of connectiveness of communities and feeling like you're a part of something, local media and local news really does matter to making sure that everybody feels welcomed and that they can see themselves in the social fabric of Canada.
1: And I think that really makes sense because when someone is in a community, of course, it's not just a matter of talking neighbor to neighbor, you're depending on spreading the word to others that are not right down your block. And that's what I was hearing from you earlier about really having newspapers be the core connection within a community, the local newspapers, right?
2: 100 percent. And radio stations. I mean, we still are, as a country, doing more commuting than ever before, despite the remote workforce that we have. But radio stations matter. Out of home matters. Local TV networks matter. Um, all of these things are still media that are viable. And I think most people who don't understand how the media industry, how a company like mine goes and buys media on behalf of our clients, actually makes these decisions what we've had in our industry is an absence of data. We've rolled back and we aren't measuring these communities anymore for TV viewership, for radio, for other sources. And once you're absent from our data sets, we don't buy. And so there's a big concerted effort, especially at my organization, to make sure that we are representative of all Canada communities, suburbs, locations, understanding everybody and what they're watching and what media they are consuming, because those are business opportunities for our brands, but they're also going to serve a societal need that we have in our country. Okay, so let's talk
1: more about that across the country. You have urban centers, rural areas. Uh, let's talk about the difference with media, media landscape, advertising, that sort of thing.
2: Well, it's really interesting that you would think like in a lot of urban markets that they're really well served from a media perspective. You know, you have a swell of like Twitter and Facebook and Google, and that's all true. But in neighborhood by neighborhood, and I'm going to use Toronto as my favorite example, because that's where I live. Community publications have disappeared. We've had a lot of closures of community publications, Polish news publications, those kind of connective tissue that keep communities in an urban center attached. What you find in that is the media, especially for young people, is starting to make them feel ostracized, stressed out. There is, you know, there's problems and then we've seen the psychological effects of social media on our youth that they too are not feeling like they understand what's going on in their communities. In rural communities, they're just highly underserved in general. Their publications have closed. There was no advertising dollars. There is business models coming back, either subscription or advertising based. There is some non-for-profit news models that are appearing in Canada as well. But it's slow. And we need to start investing and talking about this more. Um, The last part that I always like to talk about, too, is that national media serves national interests. And when you have local media, it actually serves what is happening when you're driving around the corner and you're going and getting your coffee from Tim Hortons and you can start having conversations with people about what's going on. That's hugely important. And if you don't, then it's just rumor mill. And this is why local journalism does matter. Somebody who's actually giving you the facts.
1: I wanted to talk just for a second about, like, really remote areas where people maybe not have very good internet connection. Uh, what do you see is is the usual source for turning to
2: news for folks in that kind of setting? Unfortunately, it ends up being Facebook. I mean, Facebook is a rather light product, and if you have a mobile device, it's an easy thing to have. The challenge with that, just despite the fact that Meta and other organizations will say that people don't consume news, we do consume headlines. And with headlines, you're getting sensationalism, you're not necessarily getting the truth, and you're not reading long form. We do know that in community papers, people spend more time with them. They read the totality of the article. The headline, yes, is the lead. But in truth, people will digest more and get more of the facts rather than skimming. If we want an entire society that is ill-informed, headlines is a disastrous way to just consume your news because it's provocative It's based on what you're going to engage with. And for anybody watching, pay attention to what you click on. That next time that you click on that article or headline or you're reading something, is it because it's giving you the facts and the truth and it's quality journalism or is it because it's sensational? And if we keep playing to that other side of our id of our brains... We will just have sensational headlines. But for rural communities, and I know there's a concerted effort by a lot of our our telecommunications companies just keep building back our internet access. That'll be hugely important. Bringing all of the digital divide that exists in our country, which does exist, um, will empower new economics, new business models. Like Think about e-commerce and all of that. But there's also a need for them to be connected to media and have storytelling and have an understanding of what's going on around the corner from their house.
1: Wow, Sarah, you are a wealth of information. Uh, anybody watching may want some advice from you, future clients, that sort of thing, uh, for media buying, whatnot. How do they reach you?
2: You can find me on LinkedIn, Sarah Thompson. Please send me a note anytime. You can find me at sarah.thompson at densu.com. Um, I, I, this is such an important topic and it's not the one that a lot of business leaders are talking about, but I really hope people start considering this more and more of how to invest in the Canadian media fabric and make sure that we don't lose anymore.
1: Oh, we will talk again, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you. That's Sarah Thompson. She is president of Dentsu Media. When it
0: comes to age distribution in Canada, there's two entirely different distributions. In the urban markets, the four largest age brackets are between the ages of 25 and 44, while over in the rural markets, the four largest age brackets are between the ages of 50 and 70. And when it comes to audience targeting, that's a noteworthy difference. For more data like this and a better understanding of connecting with local markets, please visit
1: adcanadamedia.ca. Joining us now from Drayton Valley, Alberta, we have Brandy Fredrickson sitting in her car with her busy day. She is publisher sales Drayton Valley and District Free Press. Hi there, Brandy. Hi. We can see just a little bit through the window of a tiny part of the community. Let's start with giving us a sense of this community of Drayton Valley that you are so proudly living in.
3: Yeah, you bet. So, Drayton Valley is uh, located in central Alberta. There's around 7,000 people that's there, but it services around 14 to 21,000 people in the the surrounding area. Um, the industry is predominantly oil and gas, but it's uh, it's a place that I had grown up um, all my life. Like I had gone away to school, and and like many small town people said, I would never come back. But then I came back, and you wonder, and you understand kind of what you what gems really lie in that, the small community. Um, It's a place where you go to the grocery store and you always run into somebody that you know. Um, There, you know, you can call on a neighbor to help you out. You know, the business owners, Um, it's just, it's one of those tight,
1: tight knit communities. And a big part of this community is your publication, again, Drayton Valley and District Free Press. What's the story behind this? Oh, <laughs> um, so I'm mean, going to do, I do the Coles notes of the full story.
3: But basically, uh, when I came back to Drayton after university, I um, started working at the paper that was there at the time and made some really close connections with some of those individuals that were there and, um, Some of the best part of that was that it really gave me a foothold in terms of uh, getting to know a lot of the people who are the volunteers or the organizers in the community um, which then basically kind of helped me um, along my life path from there Um, and then base and then in uh, 2015 I had ran in a by-election for town council and I had gotten on council for that and It was probably about two months after I got on council. um, Alberta went into a fairly big recession that really hit the oil and gas industry very, very hard. And um, our community wasn't immune. And um, in addition to the hardship stories that came out of that, there were still a lot of hopeful stories. There was a lot of um, community members that were. our motto was pulling together. So they were pulling together in terms of um, putting together what events they could to help families that were struggling, whether that was with food, or with community dinners, or with um, you know clothing drives, those kind of things. So a lot of those things were still happening underneath that that big story of our oil and gas industry is having some some real big issues. Um, so when I was on council and seeing that, um, I just felt it was important to be able to elevate those narratives as well so it wasn't just that yes we were getting hit very hard but there was still uh, there's huge heart in the community and out of those stories i believe that's what kind of connects the community together it gives them pride in in sense of uh pride of community and so Um, In 2019, uh, so I was off council and then I had had kids. And so in 2019, I had called on some of the people that I used to know with the newspaper. And at that time, I had also taken some uh, digital marketing courses from McMaster University and a few other things. And so I thought I was looking to create something that would give me flexibility with my young family as well as help as well as be a part of that community. And so uh yeah, so we thought, well, let's give it a go and see how it goes. And we're about three and a half years in. And so far the community's been very responsive and very positive to us being there.
1: Yeah, it definitely sounds like it. And I understand that at the time you had a competitor, now they're gone. Like you're doing pretty good there. <laughs>
3: yeah. Yeah. Um <clears throat> yeah, we are and it it's one of those scenarios where essentially that competitor was my my first employer. Um And it, and I think it was, so when I was there, that would have been 2008, maybe 2007, 2008. So this was prior to a lot of the online marketing, online advertising um, that now newspapers are competing against. And so at that time, we were putting together 72 page papers. I was a reporter doing nine stories a week, and I was one of three reporters. We had a full sales department, full composing department. And so then that was, what, 2008? So now we're looking at just over 10 years later. um, The landscape has definitely shifted. Uh, People, we in Drayton Valley, and I'm sure other communities, we're dealing with a larger demographic spread. So we have seniors that really love that print paper. We have, um, uh, you know, young families to midlife that they really love that digital thing that they can scroll through on their phone. Um, And then we also have people that uh, are introduced to us through like their web, through our website or our Facebook presence. So what we're finding, it's definitely a different landscape than it was when I first um, started in in 2006, 2008. Um, And and I can see, yeah, but even though how we deliver the news has changed drastically, the underlying stories... The fact that local is still very important, um, people wanting to see recognizable faces in those media platforms is still extremely important. And that hasn't changed. That hasn't changed in all the all the years.
1: So Brandy, just wrapping up here really quickly, uh, what do you say to anyone considering to advertise in markets like yourself from other parts of the country?
3: Yeah, um, so basically... it's great in knowing the digital side of things. So I know what potential it has, but also what limitations it has in terms of to do target marketing in larger areas, such as Edmonton, Vancouver, Calgary. Um, There are, are pieces that you can target through digital advertising, but when you get into extremely rural local markets like Drayton Valley, we don't have the population to, um, pull on those algorithms to be able to target these areas. So looking at local media um in terms of the newspapers in terms of uh I mean we do have a local radio station those kind of things those are your target those are your targeting mechanisms for marketing in smaller communities such as Drayton Valley, you know, Rocky Mountain House, Edson, all these kind of places. Um and even with all of the development that has happened over the years since some of the online platforms have come into play, we just don't, we don't have the population to, the de, the, the deliverables that, that are being promised cannot be delivered on a smaller platform such as a rural Alberta community. So this is it. This is your local, this is your local marketing spot to be.
1: And definitely hardworking staff, including yourself. We're going to let you go because on top of everything else you do, you have to go do some deliveries. <laughs> Thank, yes, you, right. Thank you, yeah. Brandy. All right. Quickly, how can people get in touch with you? Um, they can, uh, well, my
3: our website is www.dvfreepress.com or you can email me at admin, A-D-M-I-N, at dvfreepress.com. Thank you, Brandy. Thank you so much. That's a great opportunity.
1: That's Brandy Fredericton. She is Publisher Sales, Drayton Valley and District Free Press.
0: Here's some chilly data news. They love their fridges in rural Ontario. The average household expenditure in Canada on refrigerators and freezers is just over $164 per household. But in rural Ontario, that number jumps to a country high of over $220 per household. That's almost 35% higher. For more targeted data like this, and to get a better understanding of connecting with local markets, please visit adcanadamedia.ca.
1: Joining us now from Montague, Prince Edward Island, is Paul McNeil. He is publisher of PEI Canada. We talked to you before. So nice to connect again, Paul.
4: Pleasure to be here.
1: Uh, so last time we chatted, we really got into the background of your publications. Um, thank you again for filling us in on that. This time, I really want to talk about the, the evolution. So your family's been involved in publications there for decades. How much has changed over the years?
4: Well, um, when my father started the publications in 1963, it really was a two-person operation, himself and my mother uh, putting it out. Um, you know, technology has changed a lot over the years, obviously, you know, we've gone from um, cut and paste, um, putting pages together, uh, and, and then gradually into the computer phase uh, to where we're basically a, a full scale, seven days a week news operation, um, if we want to be. Uh, but what's fascinating is that um, what hasn't changed is good journalism is still good journalism, and community connection is still community connection. And that's what we try to do every, every, every day, and certainly every week.
1: And so how has it evolved with, with staff? Have they learned to be more multitaskers? Or, or how have you been able to keep them engaged? Let's get a sense of that.
4: Yeah. Look, there, there's there's no doubt that journalists um, have to have way more balls in the air at the same time than they than they used to. Um, we've tried to limit that a little bit. We've never really chased clickbait, um, which a lot of media have. Uh, our, our primary um, Source of content and revenue is still the print publication because there's strength in, in print. Doesn't mean we've we've ignored the web, uh, but we haven't thrown sort of all our eggs into that basket. Because frankly, if you look at the demographic of rural Prince Edward Island, um, it's an aging demographic. Broadband's been a significant issue over over the years, and and most of our folks. Uh, at least until recently, uh, aren't walking around with a cell phone uh, locked to their hip. So the print product is still incredibly relevant and it does have a, a cachet um, and a, and an importance that um, the web just can't um, simulate or, or meet.
1: Have you found you had to be creative over the years to adapt to change? Um,
4: yes, I... I um, yeah, I mean, change is a, is a great thing. If we weren't changing, it would be an awful boring <laughs> uh, way to go through life. Uh, I'm not scared to change. Um, I think there's great opportunity. I don't own a printing brass, Uh, So, you know, it doesn't really matter to me where the industry goes, whether it's all print, all digital or hybrid of in between. Um, what matters to me in my community, in my province is, can we generate enough revenue? Uh, on a sustainable basis to provide the journalism that we want to provide for our community and province. That's what I think about.
1: How supportive is the community with your publication?
4: Well, we um, are really locked into our community. Um, I think that's one of the great things that that uh, we've developed and, and and built on over the years. My father, when he started the paper, he said uh, he wanted to create a weekly newspaper that that covered the community warts and all. Uh, and what that means is uh, you'll celebrate the the hockey games uh, and the wins and the losses and the students, and you'll, you'll go to the wakes and uh, you'll celebrate the victories of politics or whatever. Um, but when you need to sort of use a heavier hand to raise a point with your community, you do that. Uh, and if you need to do a story that not everyone will agree with, you do that. Um, and because of that, you build... A connection with the community and and you know other things we've done other things we've partnered with the Rotary Club uh, on a toonie draw for the last decade that has raised 10 million dollars um, that circulates in Kings County Eastern PEI, and that's the uh, 10 million dollars for winners and local charities and you know folks who were falling through the cracks if they needed to go for cancer surgery in Halifax and couldn't afford the bridge toll uh, or, or a hotel room in Halifax it's it's that type of connection with a community that I think, um, it's not unique to newspapers. I think a lot of the independents, the, the, the privately owned communities where the owner still lives in the community and the employees are still in the community, it's that type of connection that I think really makes a difference um, in the long run for a lot of our, our papers across the country.
1: Let's talk about the evolution of your audiences, your demographics. How has that changed over the years?
4: Well, surprisingly, our print—it uh, may surprise our print product is still strong. Um, it, the the circulation, the paid circulation, is basically the same as what it has been, um, and I think that's a testament to a couple of things: um, our connection to the community and our content. Um, just because a politician calls a press conference doesn't mean we go. Uh, especially if there's other media there, because frankly, why would would we spend resources duplicating what the CBC or the major dailies are going to do or private radio? I would rather have my reporters do stuff that that nobody else is going to dig into or find. And, um, you know, that's not a bad way to look at life, uh, to have the freedom to sort of go out and cover your community the way you want to cover the community rather than how other people think you should cover the community.
1: And just this last bit again with evolution and, and all the different opportunities for advertisers to, to spend across the country. To anyone in another part of Canada that may be considering advertising in any of your publications, what would you say to them? How do you stand out?
4: Well, we're the, we're the, we're the papers that reach rural Prince Edward Island better than anyone else and the, and the website. Um, that's sort of our niche. Um, we have uh, four publications, uh, one east, one west a couple of uh, industry publications for farming and harness racing. So our, our our sort of real strength is in the small communities. And um, if you want to reach those folks, our papers do it better than anyone else, uh, including social media.
1: And how can people reach you?
4: Oh, easy. Paul at PEICanada.com. It's the easiest email in the world.
1: It sounds really easy. Thank you very much for your your time, Paul.
4: Absolute pleasure. Thank you.
1: Paul McNeil, he is publisher of PEI Canada.
0: Over $13 billion is spent annually on furniture in households across Canada. At just over 13 million households, that's an average of $1,042.33 per household. For more targeted data like this and to get a better understanding of connecting with local markets, please visit adcanadamedia.ca.
1: Thank you, everyone, so much for joining us here on The Local Edge. Again, I'm your host, Shauna Randolph. For additional information and extended interviews, be sure to subscribe to The Local Edge podcast on any of the major platforms like Spotify, Apple, Google, and more. Do make sure that you subscribe to our show, and anytime time we release a new episode, then it goes right to your mobile device. It's really easy. See you next time on The Local Edge.
0: This series is proudly produced by the team at Road 55. Road 55 creates content that connects. For more information, check our website, www.road55.ca.